York for about eight and a half months or so. Time's, time's really been flying by. And the first thing that struck me when I got here to this city was, was all the people, the great resource of people in this city. And I've been here now for that long, and still that thought strikes me just about every day. I walk just eight blocks from here to my apartment on 73rd Street in Roosevelt, and I always wonder how many people I see. And, and so I, this past week, I tried a little bit of an experiment. I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out exactly how many people I see, or at least an average, of each time that I walk back to my apartment. And, and my results? It was a failed experiment. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. I see hundreds and hundreds of people each and every day. So I really came to no conclusions other than that. This city is full of flesh and blood people that I could see and talk to and get to know if I really took that time. But I did come to one actual concrete conclusion from that failed experiment, that there's, there's one person, one man that I've never seen, never been able to talk to or look in the eye or touch with my hands or hear his preaching. And you'd think that I would have because it's the most important man in my life and the most important man in your lives, this, this man, our Lord Christ Jesus. With every one of our five senses, telling us that, that Christ isn't in this world, sometimes we really truly are left like these disciples, staring up into the sky, wondering, where are you going, Lord? Where are you? And so these words from Luke in Acts chapter 1, they're very, very important for us to consider this morning. Because there's kind of something troubling, at least for me, about this ascension of our Lord. Because Christ leaves. He goes away, he floats up into the sky, and a cloud covers him from our sight, and we don't see him anymore. But these words from Luke are so very important to us because they give convincing proof that Christ isn't gone, that Christ is truly here in our lives with a power, a gift that he gives each and every one of us, and that Christ is truly in our lives through a fulfilled promise that he gave to his disciples and also gives to you and to me. Consider that spin on, on, on this text. Look at it through those lenses as I, as I read these verses again for you. You can find them on page six of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? 
This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The word of our Lord. The first five words of this reading tell us a lot about two men, about the author and then about the audience. The first, the first four words, in my former book, Theophilus. In my, just in my former book, those first four right there. First, it identifies the author, Luke, in my former book. And then it, authors, it identifies that, that Luke had written a whole other book. So here we have the Gospel of Acts, the, Luke, the, the book of Acts, and then we have the Gospel of Luke. These two writings are so very unique in the Bible because nowhere else in the Bible do we have two long, long tomes written to one man, written to just this man, Theophilus, all written so that Theophilus would know that Christ isn't gone, that Christ truly is in his life. And Luke did this in an amazing way, and through the Holy Spirit, there are many, many convincing proofs in these two books that, that what Luke writes is true, that Christ truly is in this world. Because through the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus would have seen that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary, would have seen that Jesus lived a perfect life here on this earth, that Jesus did many, many miraculous signs, but then he would have seen that Jesus died, and it looked like he was gone, that Christ was gone from this earth, but then Luke records convincing proofs. Look at the last couple chapters of Luke, and you'll see that Jesus appears to two disciples on a road to Emmaus. He opens up the scriptures to them. Read just a little further, and then you'll see that, that Jesus shows up and meets with his 11 disciples. And he says, touch my side, see that I have a body. Feed me some fish, see that I can eat this and I need the sustenance because I truly am here. And then you open up the book of Acts, and you see more convincing proof that Jesus wasn't gone. He appears here at the Ascension account. And then page ahead to Acts chapter 9, and you'll see that Jesus appears to a skeptic a man who had no reason to believe whatsoever that, that Christ existed at all. But Jesus appears to, to Paul on, on that road to Damascus, and, and then Paul believes, miraculously. But Christ isn't done with his convincing proofs just in those two books. Open up the rest of the Gospels. Look at Mark, Matthew, and John. You'll see Jesus appeared once to Mary, once to Peter, once to James, once to Thomas, a doubting man, once to 500 disciples at one time, once to the 11 apostles while they were fishing. Jesus proved that he had come back from the dead, truly convincingly. And then open up, open up your search if you want more convincing proof, even a little more. Read the rest of the New Testament. Read a little bit of church history, maybe, and you're going to read about these people called, called the martyrs, like Peter, James, and Stephen. These men who came into this world, they saw Jesus or they heard about Jesus and then they preached about this man risen from the dead and they staked their claim on, they put their life on the line, their health on the line on the story about a man who rose from the dead. They were beaten, bloodied, and bruised for this man, for this story. You wouldn't put your life on the line for a story that was made up, would you? And neither did these men. This story of Jesus living on this earth, being active in life, is true. And I believe that, that through the Holy Spirit, Luke was able to tell Theophilus this. 
And that work worked in him. But now fast forward 2,000 years to today. And like I mentioned before, the, the five senses that we have, well, we can't see Jesus. We can't hear his preaching. We, we can't embrace him with, with a hug. We can't put our fingers on the nail marks or put our hands on his side like the disciples did. And even more than that, sometimes it feels like Jesus is just far, far away. It's, it's that time when, when the person that you love the most is, is on their deathbed. I don't think it feels like Christ is very close then. Or it's that time when you had a special relationship in your life that you worked so very hard for. And you, you put all your eggs in that basket, and then, and then it, it was gone. It, it ended. And you were left staring up into the sky saying, where are you, Christ? Or it's that time in, in your life when, when the stress of the week is just crushing you. And it feels like there's no way out. It feels like you haven't slept in, in over a week. And you're left to look up into the sky and say, Christ, where are you? You, you don't feel like you're in my life. And I really wish that I could just direct you to the bulletin and, and say, well, I wrote it in there. Christ isn't gone. That's enough, Right? Christ has a lot more convincing proof that he is in your life than this. And I want to, I want to do this, maybe I'm going to introduce you to a man named Steve. I, I knew Steve just about my whole life. My family and I would go and visit him uh, once or twice a year, but then towards the end of his life, he was confined to a nursing home, and so we only saw him once or twice every, every couple years because he was kind of far away. And I remember the very last time that I saw Steve very, very vividly. Because we went uh, with my family, we walked into this nursing home, and they had Steve sitting in a wheelchair, looking out a window, watching the cars filter in and out of the parking lot. And we had a little bit of a devotion with him, we prayed, and I remember thinking, this man must be the loneliest man in the world. This man is confined to a room, confined to a wheelchair, this man can't just go and do the things that I get to do. He, he can't go out and meet new people and make new relationships. His family is far removed. And you might think, well, well, aren't there many, many people in nursing homes all over the world? What makes this man so much more lonely, at least in my mind? And one thing about Steve that I didn't tell you yet, he, from birth he was severely, severely mentally handicapped. He was a 65-year-old man, but he had the mind of a 4-year-old. And so I thought for his entire life, he must have just felt lonely. Not able to just pick up the phone and call somebody. Not able to jump in the car and go over to a friend's house. Not able to reach his full potential intellectually. But would you believe it if I told you that Steve preached the most powerful sermon to me that I think I've ever heard. It's stuck with me for many years. Because as we were sitting there and as I was thinking these thoughts... I'm not sure what, what sparked it, but Steve turned from the window and looked at us and said, the smile on his face in, in the way that he could speak, Jesus loves me. This man who I thought had nothing, in fact had everything, this man who I thought didn't have the relationships that, that I get to enjoy, had the best relationship that anyone could ever have, this man 
who I thought felt abandoned and lonely and was at his worst, had Christ and had the most, the best thing in his life that anyone could possibly have, knowing that Jesus died for him, forgave all of his sins, and that Steve would be in heaven with him when he died. Christ has real power to be in lives, to be here. And he talks about this gift that Steve had that you and I have in in this reading. He turns to the disciples and he says, you will receive the gift my Father has promised. You will receive the Holy Spirit. You all have that. You have faith worked in your heart. You know that Christ died for you. You know that Christ lived for you. You know that Christ rose for you and ascended into heaven for you because now he is seated at the right hand of God making sure everything works out for his people's good, for your good. Christ high ascended does not mean he is gone. Christ high ascended means that he is intimately in our lives making sure that our faith in Him is strong. If Christ, I ascended, had the power to be in Steve's life, He truly has the power to be in your life and in my life as well. I wouldn't be doing this text justice if I I didn't also then talk about Christ's promises, the fulfilled promises that He makes to His disciples. In, In verse Eight, I believe it is. No, excuse me, it's uh, just before that. I can't find it here. He says, Christ says, you will be my witnesses. There's truly a commanding aspect to this phrase. Like you as Christians, you're going to go out and do this, right? You're going to go and and be my witnesses. It's going to happen. There's also also a, a promise aspect to this phrase. It's a certainty. It will happen. It's written in your life that you will be Christ's witnesses to the rest of the world. And what does a witness do? A witness reconstructs the events of something that they have seen so somebody else can see it as well. And so look around at the people here. If you need any proof that this has come true, this promise of Christ, that it has been fulfilled, Every single person sitting here in these seats has had a Christian witness come to them. And they've heard the words of Jesus. They've seen the nail marks in his hands. And you've, you've felt the loving embrace of him as, as a Christian witness came to you and, and told you about the love that Christ has for you. And if you need another convincing proof that Christ is, is in this world and he isn't gone, walk with me from this building back to my apartment sometimes and see 400, 500 people and know that, that many, many of them have had a Christian witness come to them. I saw a stat this past week that said if you could boil this world down to just 100 people, so basically taking the whole world percentage-wise, it said 33 of those people would be Christian, a third. So as I walk from this building back to my apartment, I know that one in three people that I see have seen Christ. One in three people that I see have had a Christian witness come up to them and paint this picture of a loving Savior who died lovingly on a cross, 
who stretched out his arms and gave up his life to forgive them of their sins. I know that one in three people that I see know that Christ isn't gone, but know that Christ is truly in their lives because of this promise that was fulfilled. Christ truly isn't gone, no matter what our physical senses might say, no no matter what our fickle emotions might tell us, because his promise is absolute and his power is insurmountable. Christ truly isn't gone. He's here through the power that he's given you through the Holy Spirit, that faith worked in your heart. And he truly is not gone through the Christian witnesses that are so, so abundant here on this earth. Amen. Please stand.